0: Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. Our culture is an interesting culture in in the American Western culture. We don't know quite what to do with spiritual things a lot of the times. Um, Eastern cultures, African cultures, native cultures, whether America or Australia or anywhere you go, um, there was a lot more spirituality just kind of woven into the cultural DNA of those cultures. And and, in the American culture, in kind of the Western American culture, science is really big and the supernatural or the spiritual, we don't know what to do with it a lot of the times. Culturally, we don't know what to do with spiritual things, spiritual occurrences, supernatural things. Um, our science-heavy society, a lot of the times we just dismiss something if it happens because we don't know what to do with it, so we dismiss it. Maybe it's just uh, my mind, right? Maybe my mind just made something up or... Maybe it was um, the full moon, right? I mean, we just, we hear explanations of like, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. And we kind of dismiss it and move on because we're just, we're really in this area of needing to prove things or needing to verify them. And so we don't know what to do with them. And yet most people, I think, if you surveyed most people in America, they would probably attest to some sort of, an event or something happening in their life at least one event or in the life of a family or friend that was kind of unexplainable there was some sort of a supernatural spiritual we don't know what it is and those that do talk about kind of supernatural spiritual things a lot of the times get pegged in these like those are the weirdos categories right like the people who go hunting after ghosts or that see ufos or all that kind of stuff that's where our culture puts that sort of a thing right as kind of this easy to make fun of we're not sure what to do with it thing and yet we know when we read any sort of religious text but when you read the christian scriptures when you read the bible the the idea of the spiritual occurrences things that are spiritual happening in human existence people experiencing things that are beyond them it's all over the scriptures there's no <laughs> there's no way around that they were just supernatural occurrences happening and we can go time and time again at looking at scripture passages that describe those kind of events right like a burning bush that's talking to someone or um, the idea of uh, a fire falling from heaven and consuming a completely wet altar For Ezekiel, I mean, just all sorts of amazing, supernatural, divine occurrences that aren't easily explainable, other than that must be God. And we see in scriptures that these realities, these spiritual realities, breaking into the natural world are consistent. They're consistent. They cause people to have to take a step back and start to ask themselves deeper questions about life and about what their life is defined by. And ultimately, it's these spiritual things that start to define us, especially those of us who, who claim Christ, who, who fall into wanting to follow after a Jesus who himself was God in human flesh, a, a supernatural spiritual being that had in in an odd way to say it, infiltrated the natural, had shown up into human nature, the very presence of God. So there's these amazing occurrences that happen in scripture and we can't deny them, but then also we start to turn the corner at some point when we start to follow Jesus and say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe in what the scriptures teach about who God is and who I am. Then we start to realize, okay, these things actually are going to start defining my life. The supernatural, the spiritual, now begins to actually guide my life. And that's where we get the discussion of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, before he left the earth, taught those who were following him, hey, I'm going to leave, but it's good that I leave. Because when I leave, we're the, God is actually going to send his very spirit to live among you and to speak to you to guide you and to do supernatural things like miracles among you. And so the spiritual the spiritual part of our faith, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, begins to define us more than just become the weird occurrences that are odd or happen every once in a while or are out there somewhere. They begin to actually show up in our life and define us. The early church or not the early church, but the beginning of the church is what we're reading this morning. This morning was the, the actual beginning of what we would call the church today. And so it's great for us as a church that's just beginning to remind ourselves, how did the church begin? How did God set up the, the people of God? And Jesus had taught them, he left, and they waited for the confirmation of God in their life, the Holy Spirit, and it's in chapter 2 of Acts, That we read the story of how the church was established through the Holy Spirit coming. I'm going to read um, in pockets in chapter 2. So you may not be able to follow along in your scripture very well if you have it on you, but it'll be on the screen. Starting in verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover, it was a festival that the Jews celebrated 50 days after Pentecost. So the Jews were gathering again, just as they had done at Passover. They were now gathering again to celebrate God, and this is when it happened for the new believers. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And we're going to skip to verse 14, but they began speaking in other languages and they were known languages of the people that were all there for this huge festival going on. Skip to verse 14. Then Peter one of the believers, stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. This is what Joel said in the Old Testament and what was happening in front of their very eyes. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke, the sun will become dark and the moon will be turned blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will. so that everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This, is pr- uh, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would, as the scriptures tell us to ask, pour out your spirit or give your spirit to us. Even when we aren't sure about what you're doing or how you want to do it, it, maybe it's confusing or unknown or it's an occurrence in our life that we just, we don't know how to explain and yet we're asking that you would give us your spirit, give us your very presence, that we might know for sure that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that we might know for sure that you love us, that you've designed us for something more than just the normal, everyday aspects of this life, something deeper, something bigger, something spiritual, something beyond just this world that will last for eternity, a relationship with you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So this story is called Pentecost because it was celebrated on the day of Pentecost, a Jewish festival that happens right after Passover. The Passover festival celebrated that God rescued his people from Israel. And so what does Jesus do on Passover? He dies and rises again at the Passover festival because he's telling the world God was not just rescuing the Old Testament Israel from Egypt, he was rescuing all humanity through Jesus Through the blood of Christ. So, the same way that God had rescued his Old Testament people from Egypt, he was rescuing the whole world from sin, from evil. Then, 50 days later, they would celebrate another festival. It was at the beginning of their harvest season. It was about the first fruits of the harvest. And it was about how God provided for them these amazing blessings, even in the desert. When they would wander through the desert, he would rained down manna from heaven, and he provided these first fruits. Well, what does God do among these New Testament people, this new group of believers, these believers that would cross ethnic boundaries, that would cross every boundary, nationality, that would begin to bring people together from all backgrounds in the New Testament under Jesus, under God's Son. What does he do? He pours out his Spirit from heaven upon them they become the first fruits. And thus, we in the lineage of, of that, 2000, almost 2,000 years later now, we become the first fruits of what is called the kingdom of God. The new reign of God on earth through Jesus Christ, we become the first fruits, the beginning of it. That's what first fruits are. they the beginning, the first offering. When, when a crop comes in, when a farmer is farming a crop, and the and and the crop begins to come in, you have the beginning of it, and you have the first fruits. And this festival celebrated that, and God establishes his church on that day, the New Testament church, the new people of God, on purpose. He does it because he wants to affirm again for the world that he has a plan, that he has a plan, He has a plan to gather together. That's the imagery of this kind of um, farming imagery, the gathering of the crops. He wants to gather together all the people on the earth yet again, and he wants to bring them in to his people. That, That this message of the gospel and this spirit, the very spirit of God, was not limited to one group of people any longer. It wasn't just limited to the Jews any longer. He had tried to reach the world through the Jews. It didn't work out very well. You can read that. It's in the entire Old Testament. Just pick it up and read it. It didn't work out very well. He tried to reach the world through the Jews. It didn't work out. So instead, he sent his son. Now he had a new way to reach the world through his son, through the followers of his son, and ultimately, through the very Spirit of God who would enter into the followers of his son. The new plan was us, those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who put faith in Jesus and decide to follow after Jesus, that we would be made new into the image of Jesus. That's the purpose of the Spirit in our life, that God's presence would come to live with us, inhabit us, so that we could be made new to be like Jesus, that we would become like Jesus was. And and if you need to read what Jesus was like, pick up the Bible again and read those first four books of the New Testament called the Gospels, and you'll learn all about the life of Jesus, how he loved people that the rest of the world would say were unlovable, how he would step into situations that seemed like they were hopeless, and he would bring hope to those situations. He was able to perform miracles that just didn't make sense, right? Healing of the blind, healing of the lame. Well, guess what? As we go through this series that we're starting today in Acts, we're going to do four weeks of it, we also see where God's Spirit empowers his people to do the same miracles Jesus was doing. And that's weird to Americans, but it's not weird to like the rest of the world. If you go talk to believers from all over the rest of the world, they still are expecting the very miracles of God to happen in their life. They're they're asking God for healing. They're asking God for miracles because they read the scriptures and they just take them for face value. If this is what God does through his people, then this is what God's going to do through us, his people. And so we want to get to that place as well. We want to be believers who are saying okay god we can't make sense of it all but we're going to believe it that's the, the same way that the first believers believed it that you want to show up in my life and among us in such a powerful way that it doesn't make sense to the rest of this world now that will come it will come i fully believe it, it will come in the form of miraculous things there will be some things that we see happen in our life that are miraculous that go against or not against but above and beyond what science can explain it's not against science but it's above and beyond what science can explain there'll be some of that but more but even more so what's the greatest image for this world to see of how God has worked in people's lives? it's the bringing together of people in a way that the world cannot bring people together And it's the healing of brokenness. This world can't do that. It can't seem to figure it out. There aren't enough counselors or politicians in this world to bring this world together and heal people. There aren't. We've tried it. If any nation should have the healthiest people in the world, it should be us. And yet we know we are the unhealthiest nation relationally, spiritually, emotionally. I mean, isn't that ironic? If any nation in the world has all the resources that we have to give people health, not just physical health, but well-being and emotional well-being and, and like feel confident about who they are. It should be us, and yet we're falling apart at the seams. And, and, and so it's ironic. It's ironic, isn't it, that a society that should be able to figure it out can't figure it out. And yet, as believers, we know it's not ironic. We know it's the reality that human brokenness will exist no matter how many resources you have the only way that gets healed is by something spiritual something beyond human beyond natural something supernatural entering into the natural that the spiritual would break into the natural is what we're asking god for in my life um there were there was a when i was in my i was 19 or 20 but i was young and a group of us went to this like worship event We went to this worship event and it was outdoors and it was sometime around the 4th of July. It was this free event. And so we went just because it was free and we were young and didn't have a lot of money. So there were all these Christian musicians there. They're playing. So we were going to go and just hang out and leave. Like that was our goal. And it was a group of four of us guys. We had been friends since high school. We were back for the summer. So we were just going to go hang out. We didn't think anything of it. Just go in there, listen to music. We we expected nothing more than that. We got there and... Um, we started to like realize hey maybe we should like worship maybe we should get engaged with what's actually happening on stage so we're like okay maybe we um we were walking around and it was this super crowded outdoor concert thousands of people so you were like bumping up against people constantly and we were trying to go to the restroom and we were walking into this building where the restrooms were and I mean you're just in a crowd of people right and just trying to make your way through y'all have been in these before and and, and we're walking in, and there's this kid coming out, this teenage kid, or at least I thought teenage kid, and dressed in this very grunge way, like over-the-top grunge way. Anyone, you would have picked this person out of a crowd, right? because they were so not dressed like everyone else. And it was like this deep eye contact. It's like weird like eye contact, and I looked away and just kept walking, right? I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was weird, I was a little freaked out, but it was this weird feeling of just like, that was weird, and I just kept walking. So I tell you that because later, about an hour later, my friends and I were all up near the stage, and there's barely anyone near the stage. Most people were there just hanging out, and we were just like, no, we feel like we're supposed to worship. So we just went up to the stage and started worshiping. A small group was up there, and so we started worshiping together. My best friend at the time, and he's still one of my best friends, Andrew was there, and he had a boot on because he had, broken his foot, completely broken his foot and he was finally at the point of walking again but, he was, but he, it was still fractured like it still hadn't healed and he um, he and I were there like worshipping together and our other two friends were somewhere else in the crowd and, and again I had this overwhelming feeling that someone was right here like the same feeling I had when I stared at that kid and I turned and looked and that teenage kid was standing right there like right behind me and Andrew. And so then I closed my eyes again because I was like, okay, this is weird. This kid's maybe a stalker. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. (laughs) So I just kept worshiping. At one point, Andrew takes off his walking boot and throws it and starts jumping. And I look at Andrew and I said, are you crazy? And he said, no, I prayed and God just healed me. And I turned around and the kid was not there. He had just been there, and he was not there, and to this day, I have no doubt that that was not a kid because no one else saw the kid. Andrew didn't see the kid. None of my other friends, and we had about 40 different friends that were there. I went around asking because I was so freaked out by this. None of them had seen this kid, and there's no way you wouldn't have seen this kid. Like, You had to have seen him. He was grunged out like he did not fit with the rest of the crowd that was there. And I said, this kid was not a kid. This was an angel. This had been an angel that had shown up in the form of some teenage kid that had come and healed Andrew. Not from a life-saving issue, right? Like that's, I had to wrap my mind around this. God, why would you do this? He does it just because he's a loving God. We don't we don't get to make sense of why God heals people of things and doesn't heal other people of things. We don't. That's not our luxury as humans to make sense of it. But our luxury is to say God does things that we can't make sense of, but he does them for his own purposes. And what it did in that moment, Andrew was completely free to just worship at that point. Like he was jumping and screaming and going nuts. And he was freed to worship in a way that he would not have been if he had that boot still on him. And maybe that's all God wanted in that moment. Maybe all God wanted was for us to just worship, and so he healed Andrew's foot. And there was no explanation for it. He went back to the doctor. It was completely healed. It should not have been. And he never put that boot back on again. I don't tell that story because like f- that story actually in the scheme of my spiritual growth was not crucial to my it didn't make me believe in Jesus I had already believed in Jesus it didn't make me a better Christian so sometimes the spiritual and the supernatural and I think most times actually is for God to remind us that he's with us and that he wants to work in and through us it's not necessarily to get us to believe we may have already believed But we need to be reminded that God's very presence is with us and here and wants to work through us. And that story always reminds me of that. Every time I tell it, it was not some crucial event in my life at the end of the day. If I tell my testimony, it's not in my testimony. But it was a crucial event in the sense of God's very presence, the spiritual presence showed up in the midst of the natural of our life, just the normal every day of our life. We did not expect God to show up. We had gone to that concert merely for it to be a concert, for us to sit in lawn chairs and enjoy some music and to leave. And yet God had different plans. God had different plans. He sent his spirit into our presence, and we saw something miraculous happen. You're not going to always see something like a miraculous healing happen, but you can surely believe you will always have the presence of God with you and God can work through you in a way that's miraculous if you're willing to allow him to. That's what I think turned to the corner for us, is we were willing to let God move by going forward and deciding to worship him. We went from just attending a concert, just to kind of be, you know, not participants, but just spectators, to involving ourselves in the worship that was happening. And that's when God showed up. And so the question for you, how, how, how do we respond to a story like Pentecost? How do we respond to these miraculous stories of God breaking into humanity? How do we respond to a spirit that it just doesn't make sense in our human minds to be available and to al- just to allow God to do what he's going to do? To stop trying to put God into your box of how you understand him, to stop trying to force him into places where he doesn't fit because he's God he's bigger than any place you can force him into and to just allow him to work there may be times where you feel like God is speaking to you listen there may be times and there should be times especially as we continue to move forward as a group that God's going to want to speak through you to someone allow him to allow him to do it you're going to get promptings that aren't of you And you'll know it because, like, you'll be in a feud with someone, like you're in conflict with someone, and you'll get this prompting to go reconcile, to go ask for forgiveness even though you hadn't even done anything wrong, and to try to mend that relationship. Y'all just make sure you respond to how God wants to use you and don't be afraid of that.